My name is Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. Today, we are in part four of our message series called I Am. And in this message series, we are discovering who Jesus is by the bold statements that he made about himself. And Trent did an amazing job in week one. In week one, we saw that Jesus declared, I am the Messiah. Pretty much, Trent showed us that Jesus is 100% man, but also he is 100% God. And then in the second week, we learned uh, when Jesus said this, he said, I am the good shepherd. When we become part of God's family, God will protect us and he will care for us and we will live forever with him. And then Brian did an amazing job last week of showing us when Jesus declared this, that I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus backed that up uh, by showing us that not only did he have power over life, but he also had power over death. Now, the really cool thing about all these amazing, bold statements that Jesus made is that he made them in front of people. And these people saw him live these things out. And so if you have ever had any doubts about Jesus, or if you have had any doubts about Christianity, I just want to encourage you, if you've missed any part of this series, to go back and listen to those messages. Now today, I want to talk to you about probably the most important words that Jesus said to his disciples and to us the night before he died. And Jesus probably held back these words from his disciples because he was looking for an opportunity to get their attention. And these words are so powerful that when he spoke them, that most likely they echoed in his disciples' hearts and their thoughts for the rest of their lives. And Jesus wants these words to also echo in our lives as well. And these words are so important because they give us clarity on how we should live the Christian life. Because at the end of the day, don't we all want clarity? Don't we want clarity on how we should live the Christian life? I mean, if you're not a Christ follower, uh, don't you want clarity on why when you run into some Christ followers, it's like, really? You're a Christ follower? But then when you run into some other Christ followers, you're like, what's the deal with you? You're different. There's something that I want. There's something that I want to know more about. And so today we are going to jump right in because we have so much to unpack. So if you would, if you would turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 1 in your Bibles or on your YouVersion Bible app. And there we are going to see this very bold statement right away that Jesus makes about himself. And then he is going to unpack these three aspects that he wants us to know. Now, if you don't have a Bible, I just want to encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app onto your smartphone device. It is an amazing app that allows you to be able to read the Bible and then also for you to be able to understand it better. And so if you would, go ahead and turn to John chapter 15, verse 1, and I'll give you a moment to get there. Now, as you turn there, 
Let me set the scene of when Jesus spoke these words. It's Thursday night in Jerusalem, the night before the Passover, and he's with his 12 disciples, and they go up to this room uh, to have this amazing meal. In fact, probably most of you know what this is called because there's a famous painting, and you probably know the painting's name. It's the, yeah, the Last Supper. See, you know the Bible, okay? And so uh, hundreds of thousands of Jews had entered into Jerusalem for the Passover. And um, there's probably more than most of the time because a lot of them were anticipating that Jesus was going to declare that he was the Messiah and that he was there to conquer the Romans. Now, the disciples, they started to believe that. They started thinking that the Messiah is here to overthrow the Romans. And so they're thinking, we're here, we're doing this. And in fact, over the last couple of weeks, they had been arguing amongst themselves of who would rule with Jesus uh, when he came and conquered the Romans. And so they think that Jesus is in Jerusalem at that moment to do that. And so then at the beginning of the dinner, Jesus totally goes in a different direction that they were not expecting. And so he starts off by shocking them by washing their feet. Now, only servants do that. Why would tomorrow's king behave like that? And then Jesus says this, it got worse. He says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And so the men are stunned. And as they're stunned, Jesus even continues. He says in front of all of them, he says, Peter, which was one of his top disciples, before sun up, you are going to deny me three times. And then finally, Jesus pretty much tells them that he is going to die tomorrow. Now in that moment, I'm sure it was silent and they are devastated and you could not hear a pin drop. And then Jesus begins to speak words of hope, but he knew that they needed more than words. He knew that they needed a clear step in how they should live and they needed a scenery change. And so at that point, Jesus takes these 11 dejected men downstairs and out into the cool of the evening. And as they weave their wave around the city, he takes them outside of the city and into the neighboring vineyard. And it's there that he stops in the vineyard and he teaches them this powerful lesson that is so memorable that probably every time they saw a vineyard or ate grapes, they would remember his words. So let's begin in John 15, 1, and I'm going to read uh, the entire passage, and then we're going to go back and start to break it down, especially with those three aspects that I told you about. So let's begin. John 15, 1. Jesus said, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. 
For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Why, why would you want to do that? Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Now, when I read those words, I mean, I can just, I don't know about you, but there is a lot of passion and commitment coming from Jesus. And he is all in, and he wants all of us to be all in. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, he's not expecting you uh, to follow these things, but he would like to start a relationship with you. And he's written these things down so that you would know what it would be like to be a Christ follower. So stay tuned as we continue to jump into this message. Now, you might be asking like, what does all this mean? And before I kind of break down this passage and we go back and everything, um, I just want us to understand the main characters that Jesus talked about in this passage so that we have that up front, okay? Now, let me ask you, who is the vine? Yeah, you're right, it's Jesus. Jesus is the vine, okay? And we're not in wine country. Some of you would like to be in wine country, but we're not in wine country. And um, <clears throat> did you know that the vine uh, is made up of the trunk that grows out of the ground? That's part of the vine, okay? And the vineyard keeper or gardener will let it grow to about waist high before he takes the branches and ties them up to the trellis, now, the other person that's in this story is the father. Uh, he's the gardener. Did you catch that? And so God the father is the gardener or the vine dresser, and he is the keeper of the vineyard. And it's his job to take care of all the plants and help them to bear much fruit. And then, you guessed it, you and I were the branches. And so the branches of grapevines, they are the focus of the uh, gardener's uh, uh, attention. And he gives all of his efforts to help us to produce fruit. Now, you might be asking the question, well, what is fruit? Um, well, the fruit represents the good works that God wants us to do. It's our uh, attitude. It's our thoughts. It's our actions. And when we become Christ followers, God wants us to live to do good. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes, for we are God's masterpiece. I love that. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, what does the fruit look like? Well, in Galatians chapter five, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So when we do good, it honors God. 
It also gets the attentions of others so that they can see God's love for them because God wants everyone to come to know him. He wants everyone to know that he is for them. And he uses us Christ followers as his instruments to do that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that he invites us? He invites you, he invites me to be part of his plan. And so, you know, I think the reason Jesus took the disciples down to the vineyard uh, was after Jesus kind of hit the reset button in the upper room, they were finally ready to hear what Jesus wanted them to do. Not their agenda, but what was God's agenda. And so at that point, Jesus says these words. Now, don't say this out loud, but are you ready to hear these words? Are you ready to join God's plan for your life? Are you ready to accept the invitation that he is extending to you, that he wants to give to you? So he says these words to us. So let's begin to unpack them. Jesus begins in John 15. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now that sounds harsh, doesn't it? You know, that he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Like, aren't we the branches? We are, ouch, you know? But that word cuts off isn't really a great term. When you look in the original Greek, which this was written in, uh, I guess they didn't consult a farmer or a grape uh, vine dresser because really it should be and it could be translated lift up. And so when we read this, he lifts up every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now, if you grow grapes, this makes sense. If you are a gardener, you understand that uh, new branches tend to grow downward and they trail along the ground and they don't bear as much fruit down there because they get covered in dust. When it rains, they get muddy and they don't produce fruit. So in order to bear fruit, the gardener has to wash them off and he has to lift them up and tie them to the trellis. And so pretty soon they start to thrive up there. And pretty soon, um, you start to see fruit because the vines are important. No gardener wants to cut a vine, okay? You are too valuable. So, you know, sometimes as Christ followers, we get stuck in the mud. Uh, One time, there's a person uh, who did something that continued to just kind of bother me uh, to the point that I just thought, you know what, it's no big deal. I'll just let it continue to happen. And each time they did it, it just kind of hurt and it kept adding up. And uh, each time they did this and I didn't speak up and that was my issue. And I kept getting angrier and angrier and so much to the point that it started to be on my mind all the time. And even to the fact that my wife, Sarah, noticed. And she said to me, Tim, you've got to do something about this. This is controlling you. You've got to forgive. I was stuck in the mud. And I knew it. There had been plenty of warning signs. And yet I continued to not forgive. 
And so God used my wife to lift me up. God used her to correct me. And when that happened, I said, you're right. I need to go speak to that person. And so I did. And we had an amazing conversation. And I ended up asking forgiveness for the anger and the bitterness that I was holding on to. And so um, when I did that, I found freedom and I found peace. Because here's the first aspect that Jesus wants us to know about bearing fruit. If our life consistently bears no fruit, God will intervene to discipline or lift us up, okay? Yes, he disciplines us. Any good father disciplines his child. Now, does the uh, discipline feel good to a child? No. Does the discipline feel good to the father? Children, close your ears. It doesn't. Keep your ears closed. Does any type of discipline, do parents look forward to disciplining their children? We don't, okay? Now you can open your ears. But anyways, um, you know, if we didn't love our children, then when we tell them not to go in the street and they do it, we know that there is a greater harm that can happen. And so we need to discipline them because we love them so much. And so here's the deal. If I had stopped stuffing so much in my life, I would have been better off. I mean, I had had tons of warning signs and it was starting to control my life and it would have been a whole lot easier if I had listened to God. Now, as Christ followers, um, it's hard for us to understand that, yeah, God does practice tough love, but he will never harm us, okay? He will never harm us. But at times, we need to be lifted up. And if we listen faster, then we will feel like we are connected and we will produce fruit. So let's continue in verse two. Jesus said, and he, the gardener, prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Again, sounds harsh, right? You know, but every gardener knows that when you uh, prune a branch or a grapevine, uh, then it will produce more. You know, I mean, do we want just pre-looking plants with green leaves uh, with hardly any fruit? We don't want that, you know, Um, because here's the deal. A grapevine will uh, favor new growth over producing grapes. And so if you don't prune it, yeah, you may have this amazing plant, but at harvest time, you don't have those amazing grapes that are delicious and that satisfy an appetite. And so here's the second aspect that might surprise us about the Christian life. If your life bears some fruit, some fruit, God will intervene to prune you. You know, for Christ's followers, that rapid growth represents the preoccupations, the priorities, the activities of our lives. And uh, while they're not kind of wrong, Um, they often take us away from what's more significant or fruit-bearing in our lives. You know, that's why sometimes this explains where you feel like God is nudging you to stop doing something, and it's like, it's not totally wrong, but you just feel like God's saying, okay, this would be good for you to stop, and usually he steps on our toes, and we don't like it. And so it might be like, hey, you know, Johnny, he's an amazing soccer player, Um, but... 
For the sake of the family, it would be better if he just played on the rec league or instead of on the travel team. And, um, it, and God might want to do an amazing work in Johnny's heart. And so he might say, you know what? Right now, I need to do a work in Johnny's heart. So this year, it might be better if he were in the rec league. Or for some of us, you know, maybe we're uh, super talented at some amazing hobby, but it takes a lot of time and effort and takes us away from our family. And maybe God has been asking you to stop doing that hobby. Instead, find something that you can invest uh, your time with, with your family and for yourself that you all enjoy. Or sometimes, um, you know, we get in our minds that, hey, when I retire, I'm going to travel the world or I'm going to play golf. And God might say to you, you know what? I've got a new assignment for you. And it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. But I want you to be part of my plan. And I've got big plans and I need you. And so let me be honest, you know, pruning is hard. And it hurts. I mean, at the end of the day, it involves cutting, okay? And that's not pleasant. Um, but realize that pruning is not discipline. Discipline involves sin. Pruning involves self. And when God prunes us, he is wanting us to stop doing something in order to take our attention and focus on something that is more significant and for the sake of others. And one of the toughest questions to ask ourselves is this, God, show me what you want me to stop doing so I can start doing more for you. So would you be willing to ask God that? I mean, some of you are getting a little nervous and it's like, I'm afraid to ask God that. But you will find that doing God's will will bring so much more satisfaction in your life. Now let's move on to verse five. And here Jesus gives us the key to how we should live the Christian life. And so this is so important. We're gonna camp out on this. So let's see what Jesus says. Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who, and what's the word? Say it with me. Yeah, remain. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce nothing. No, no, no it doesn't say that, Okay. It says, will produce much fruit. So for apart from me, you can do nothing. So at some point, we as Christ followers, when we're firing on all cylinders and we are okay with being corrected and we are asking God to prune us on a regular basis, we're going to bear much fruit and it's gonna be good. And we're gonna find that doing God's will is so much better than doing our will. And people are going to notice and people are going to ask questions. You know, so what's, the, uh, what's behind the word remain? Why does Jesus use that word? Um, it's in order to help us to focus uh, with clarity and it's to help us to remain in Jesus. And so the word he uses, remain, it has a strong sense of being committed to staying close. And uh, it's kind of like what you might say to uh, your spouse. Like um, some of the things that you might say is, you know, you're the peanut butter to my jelly, or uh, you're the cheese to my macaroni, or I dig your chili. I mean, Sarah goes for all those things. So it's awesome. But um, it's that sense of staying committed 
and remaining close to Jesus so that we dig in and have this growing relationship with Jesus. Um, you know, have you ever noticed uh, a couple that starts, who's been married for so long and they start to look alike, okay? Um, you know, the longer they've been married, uh, you see them and all of a sudden they've got these coordinated outfits. Uh, the guy's got white shorts. The woman has white, like, uh, pants. They've got red belts. They've got these, you know, complimentary tops. They're walking out of Bell's outlet. Um, and it's kind of funny, but that's what God wants. God wants us to start to look like Jesus. God wants us to remain so much in Jesus that we begin to look more like him. And so that brings us to the, this third aspect that Jesus wants to know about, uh, about the Christian life. If you remain in God, you will bear much fruit. So on the night uh, that Jesus knew his disciples were frightened, um, he, he knew it and he saw it, but he was with them. He was with them and he invited them to remain in him. And because Jesus is God, he invites us to remain in him. He's with us. He will never leave us. And he invites us to remain in him. So here's what that means. How do we remain in him? Well, it's our responsibility to remain in him, to stay close uh, to him. And how do we do that? Well, it's like pursuing someone that you love. You know, you go to sleep, you wake up, and you're just thinking about that person. You talk about that person or you talk to them uh, later. You go throughout your day and you're thinking about them and you're talking to them uh, until it's evening time. And so in our relationship with Jesus, we should wake up each day and look forward to reading his word that he's provided for us and to listen to him. And as we listen to him, uh, we journal down what he is saying to us. We memorize his words and we listen to his words and we obey his words and we do life with him and we remain in him. We stay close to him. We tell others about him. And when we remain in him, here's what will happen. Jesus says in verse seven, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So we'll get a new car, a new house, a new boat. No, okay, that's not the context. The context is spiritual fruit. And we covered that. What's spiritual fruit? Well, spiritual fruit, over time, as we remain in Jesus, our lives will be marked by love, joy, peace, patience, understanding, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So you want more patience with your kids? Remain in Jesus. And you'll have the patience as they continue to ask over and over again. You want more love as you see a need and as you meet a need, you will have more love for people as you practice that. You want more responsibility? You want to be entrusted with more from God? Then be faithful with what he's entrusted to you today. You want joy? As you remain in him, as people see Christ in you, it will bring you much joy when someone asks you, hey, you know, what's the deal? You're just so different. 
but in a good way. I want to know more about the way you live. And that will bring so much joy in our lives. Because when you remain in him, he will produce fruit in you. Let me say that again. When you remain in him, he will produce fruit in you. So what's our job? It's to remain. It's to stay uh, connected to him. We're two peas in a pod. He's there, but are we there with him? And if we do that, Jesus says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father. So now what, you know? Well, what needs to change in you? What is God nudging in you that needs to change? Because there's nothing, if you are a Christ follower, there is nothing in you that he cannot change. And so when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, not only did he die for the penalty of our sins, the debt that we have, he also freed us from the power or the control of sin as well. And so when we remain in him, our lives will be changed. We can't change our lives on our own, but when we remain in him, he will change our lives and we will bear much fruit. So let me ask you, where are you at today? As you've been listening today, what has God identified in you? You know, maybe as I was talking about um, needing to be lifted up, God just spoke into your life and said, you know what? It's time. It's time to get out of the mud. You know, I've been telling you. And so there's something that you know that God wants you to surrender. There's something that you've been doing that is sin related. And so, He says, give it to me. Admit that you've been wrong and ask for forgiveness. So would you today, if that's where you're at, would you simply say to God today, God, would you forgive me for doing this? And so when you do that, you will feel connected to him. You will start to bear fruit. So let him lift you up. You know, others of you, as you've been listening, uh, you've been sensing God has been nudging you to stop that one thing, you know, and it's nothing that's wrong. It's not a sin issue, but you just need to stop. Would you surrender that to God? Would you be willing to stop? Maybe it is a good hobby and it's time. It's time to pack it. You know, uh, it might be something that you need to sell. And so would you be willing to say to God, God, how do you want to redirect my energies? Now, for all of us, um, we need to pursue Jesus. We need to remain in him. And you might be asking the question, well, how do I do that? Well, let me just give you three simple steps. Now, these aren't like a magic formula or anything, but as you begin to practice these things, you will see that you are going to be remaining in Jesus. And here's the first step. The first step is set a regular time in the morning to meet with him and read his word. Would you just say, you know what? I'm going to get up 30 minutes earlier. I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. Okay, some of you 7 a.m. All right. And I'm going to spend time reading his word. And then would you do this? Number two, keep a journal of what he says to you. So you can track the relationship. You can see what you are saying to him and what he is saying back to you. 
And then would you pray? Would you pray throughout your day? Just start with those three simple things. Because when we remain in him, he will produce fruit. That's his job. Our job, our responsibility is to remain in him. So I put those on the spiritual growth challenge. And um, I just want to remind you, every week there is a new spiritual growth challenge that goes with the message. And if you need a tool to use to spend and grow uh, in your relationship with Jesus, then use that because it's an amazing tool that will help you to be on pace, to be able to remain, be able to stay close to him. And then finally, if you are not a Christ follower, maybe you've been sensing, you know what? I know I need to change. I have tried over and over and I keep on failing. And so, um, God, I'm ready. Jesus, like, would you change me? And so today in a moment, would you simply express to Jesus, Jesus, I'm ready to make you my Lord and my Savior, and I'm ready to be part of the vine. And so here's what we're going to do. This is how we're going to close. I'm going to pray, and I want to pray for you. And I'm going to go through these four areas that you might be at. And as I get to that area, I just want you to engage with God, and I'll lead you in how to talk to Him, and I just want you to be able to pray, express what's on your heart, talk back to Him, begin to remain in Him. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Jesus, thank you for giving us these words that would echo, not only in the disciples' hearts, but they can echo in our hearts as well. Thank you for giving us the clarity of how to remain in you so we know how to live this Christian life. And today, there are some people who, as we talk today, who've just sensed, you know what? I am just stuck in the mud, and I know better. I mean, I've had plenty of things that God has just been saying to me, and I know I'm wrong. And so if that's you, would you just simply use the rest of this time to say those things that you have been doing wrong and just say, God, here's where I'm at. I don't feel connected to you. I feel like I'm so far from you, but today I'm charging in and I'm going to stay close to you and I want to remain in you. Would you forgive me for whatever it is that you've been doing? And then for others of you, maybe God has been nudging you and saying, you know what, it's not wrong, but it's time. It's time to give that up. And so would you simply say to him, God, I've been sensing the nudges from you and it's time. And here is what I'm going to give to you. Would you redirect my energies for you and for the sake of others? And then for all of us, would we just make a new commitment today to remain in him and to spend time with him each day, to journal what he wants to say to us and to pray? Would we commit to doing that? at this point. And then if you are not a Christ follower and uh, today you just said, you know what? I'm in. I want to know the great I am. I've been listening and I realize that I need to change and I need a savior to do that. If that's you, 
just pray these words to invite Jesus into your life. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to the earth. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Would you forgive me? Would you change me? Would you become my Savior and my Lord? Thank you. And so if you prayed that today, you are part of the vine. Now, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And I want us to remember, every time we go buy a vineyard, every time we eat a grape, every time we see a grape, remember, Jesus is saying, remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. And so um, thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to have our discussion questions. If you're uh, with your family or with a small group, uh, go ahead and discuss them. If you are at one of our watch parties, then the host is going to be coming up and giving you further instructions. Thank you so much for being with us today, and we'll see you next week.